I've done in any situation, no matter what we're going through, no matter how big the mountain, how tall the wall, how great the giant, because of what he's done in any situation, when we fight, we fight on our knees with our hands lifted high, because the battle belongs to God. Does anybody believe that in this place now? Come on, one, two.
are not lukewarm Christians here on Rise Up. Jesus is already well. You need to let everybody know around you you've got the Holy Spirit this morning. Oh, come on, Phil. He's already won the battle. And your prayers are powerful. Come on. some distant being in some far off dimension. It's a God who said, my name is Emmanuel. I come close to you. I am near to you. Not just in a Christmas story, but every day, every breath, the highs and lows. When in your betrayal, I know what that feels like. Amen. In your sorrow, man, I've been there. In your tears and your pain, I understand and I am here with you. And I want to let you know that I'm walking with you. And just like we've said before, and he takes everything that was meant for evil and turns it somehow through his beautiful creative work of grace into something that's good. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, in this world you'll experience tribulation, right? But I'm so thankful the verse didn't end there. In this world you experience tribulation, but take heart, what? I have overcome the world, man. We're standing in that victory today. We're standing in so our everybody new. Everybody who came into the stadium this weekend with a heavy heart, stuff going on at home, sorrow, frustrations, battles, relationships, whatever. We just go to the one who opened up his arms and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, and I will give you rest. We go to that one. We go to the one who says that he's working things together for good. We go to the one. Romans 8, 28. And makes art and makes beauty. We go to the one whose grace is sufficient. We go to the one who says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. We go to the one who is all over it, all powerful we sing this song and we tear off the roof for our friends around us with our faith as we lift our hands high come on so when I fight I fight on my knees with my Good morning, everyone. Wow, what a great performance. And it's not over. Don't worry. We'll go back to it at the end of the show. But what a great performance by Phil Wickham and Brandon Lake. 
at the God of Revival uh, live at Passion 2024. That was just a few weeks ago. Um, I titled today's show, I'm a Prayer Warrior. I'm a Prayer Warrior, and I state today that I am rapture ready. I am committed to Jesus Christ. I am committed to every day looking at the day prior and saying, I need to do better there. I need to do better here. But I am not in charge of that. All I can do is accept and receive. Lord Almighty God is in charge of that. The battle belongs to God, not to you and I. Now, we can be prayer warriors. We can be warriors right here on earth for the word of God. And if so, we can be the sword of God. But our main reason for being created was to come into our new, to come into our calling, was to go from that chrysalis to being that butterfly. And you don't do that by getting a promotion. You don't do that by having a big family. You don't do that by uh, succeeding monetarily. You don't do that by building a city. You do it by receiving the word of God and going where he tells you to go, no matter what that is. And you are grateful for the path that you are on. And you are thankful for the breath in your lungs because Well, I'll tell you a little story about that here in a little while. I've got some stories today. I'm a prayer warrior, and I'm rapture ready. Are you? I'd like to give a big shout-out to our producer, Producer Eli, for all of the visuals that you see every single day here on the network. He does a tremendous job. He works his butt off, and he's even working 8, 9 o'clock at night. I'll be sending him requests. Can you get this to look like this? Can you make that? Can you edit this? Can you do that? And he's doing them. And he put his faith, just like I put my faith, in God's direction to come and do this for a job and then to open up and do this show for spreading the gospel every day. That's where I put my faith. And we all kind of did that together. We all kind of, you know, walked by faith when it came to this. He did the same thing. He left a great job to come here and depend on donations for his salary. That's walking by faith, not by sight, ladies and gentlemen. So a big shout out to producer Eli as well and producer Frankie and everybody here doing the job of 10 people to try to give you an actual network. It is not an easy thing, but through the grace of God, the power of God and prayer warriors like all of you guys praying for us every single day, it definitely helps. And if you don't think it does, then ask, how did we do this? How did we get banned for life from every major social media platform and then get here? That's why I don't complain about the problems that Rumble has anymore. I don't complain when they're attacked and they go down. I don't complain when our site is attacked. I don't complain if I can't get out a newsletter for a week because I've got to build new security. I don't complain about it anymore. I just say, thank you, God. Thank you. And then I pray. And I pray for all of you as well. Last night I was up at 1.30 in the morning praying, 
feverishly for an hour. I woke up attacked in the middle of the night by the devil in so many ways. Anxiety, stress, fear. And at 1.30 this morning, I got up and I said, God, I need you. And I whispered, Jesus, I need you. And that started at 1 hour, 1.30 in the morning, date with my Father God in heaven. Along with the Holy Spirit with us, along with Jesus, we were sitting around a spiritual campfire singing Kumbaya together from 1.30 until 2.30 this morning. And I'll tell you all about that as we get into today's show. I've got some videos to show you. I've got some scripture to read you. But more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the actual power of prayer today. You might not think it's that powerful, but I can promise you that it is. Today's description of the show, Rise Up, episode number 288, Prayer Warriors. There is a reason that people say that. Do you know that a weapon of mass destruction does not have the power that you possess in prayer? Not even a nuclear bomb. See, weapons like a WMD, they destroy. Prayer creates, protects, prospers, and props up. Nothing in the world is as powerful as your prayers. Because you're praying to the one who created everything in your existence, including your false feelings of loneliness, depress and depression and despair. Everything in this world that you see was created by him. So why wouldn't you go correct directly to the source? That's so powerful. So I'm asking you today, what are you using your power of prayer for? What are you using that blessing that is more powerful than a weapon that destroys? You have the power to create out of your mouth can come the existence of things that are miraculous. Curing cancer. Bringing people back from the existence or from the brink of death. That is what we're going to talk about today. So what are you using your power for? You know those old superhero movies, right? Spider-Man, Superman, it's always an obli- it's always a gift. They see it as a curse. They get to a point where I didn't ask for these powers. Right? Spider-Man, Uncle Ben, with this power, with great power, becomes great responsibility. Okay. That's true. So let me ask you this. Those guys had the mere power of a spider bite, superhuman strength, and flight. Super speed, flash. 
but you have the power of prayer, which is so much more powerful than all of that. And I mean that in, in reality. Now, a normal person who's not a believer would go, shut up. Yeah, you're a little mythical book and your little magical prayers, right? Saying a prayer, hoping something happens so you can go see. Look at the power of prayer. Been there, done that. Trust me, I've been on the other side of that one. And I can tell you, they're wrong. (laughs) I can tell you they are wrong. Your power that you have, that you possess, in the name of Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus Christ, can bring people back from a flat line. Can a weapon of mass destruction do that? Hmm? Can superhuman strength do that? Hmm? Eli, what's the guy's name played? Star-Lord Chris Pratt, is that his name? Chris Pratt, when he was accepting an award at that, I believe it was the Nickelodeon Award, maybe, was it Eli, like two years ago, three years ago, something like that? Maybe it was right before COVID. He got up there, accepted his award, and preached to kids at the Nickelodeon Awards. I believe it was the Nickelodeon Awards, Eli. I could be wrong. Was that what it was? And he said, kids, now he's Star-Lord, right? Guardians of the Galaxy. Jurassic Park. He's, a, he's this megastar in Hollywood who preaches the gospel. How don't they kick him out? Because of the power of prayer. And he gets up there on national TV, Eli, on Nickelodeon, which is owned by globalist, corrupt, devil, demon companies, and gets up there and accepts his award and says, Kids, God is real. Prayer is real and powerful. And you have something in you that is so pure and beautiful and powerful. Don't ever let that go. I couldn't believe that was happening. When I saw that, I felt inspired. He wasn't doing the same old, thank you this, thank you that, thank you to my manager, thank you to this. I want you to all look it up. Look it up. Chris Pratt accepts awards, accepts award and preaches the gospel. It was the greatest, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So I ask you, what are you using your power for? And don't worry, you can't run out of prayer, right? It's not like, well, it's not like wishes. It's not like, well, I have a, uh, a finite amount of prayers that I can do. Mm, what am I using them for? I don't want to use them... Uh, willy-nilly. No, that's the opposite, folks. See, the devil only wants you to think that you can get three wishes through a genie or something like that, right? But through prayer, you get it's infinite. You can get as many as you want. And as long as it's God's will that you are connecting with in your prayer and God wants that for you and your heart's desires and your prayers are actually valid, and you're not a hypocrite praying one sentence and doing the sin the next re, uh, day and then praying again and then doing it again, Those, that falls on deaf ears. But God says, ask and you shall receive. You don't receive because you don't ask. Prayer is infinite. There's no well that runs dry. There's not a little three-wish genie and that's it. 
You can pray all day, every day for anything and everything. Now, whether God hears those prayers and blesses you with the desires of your heart, that's a different story. Those desires have to align with God's will. That's simple. And if it doesn't, then you won't get it. And sometimes, just sometimes, it does align with God's will. But the timing doesn't. That's right. Sometimes, just sometimes, it does align with God's will. But the timing is off because you're not ready. And God knows that if you were to get that today, if, you, if God were to put you in a position and bring you into your new, the things that you are praying for, whether that means a, uh, a relationship that's, that was severed gets you know, put back together, whether that means a promotion in your job to put you in a better position for your family and your kids, if it aligns with God's will, if you're going and doing it according to God's will, maybe you're just not ready for it yet. Maybe you can't handle it yet. Maybe it's going to come with stresses and problems that you're not foreseeing and you can't handle it yet. Remember, God is in your future. You're not. That's what omnipresent, omnipotent, all that means. That means that God can be everywhere all at once in the future, in the past, in the present, tomorrow, today. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. He knows where you are. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows every hair on your head more than you do. He knows every line in your palm that you can't even see. Tell me again how he doesn't deserve all the glory. Tell me again how the battle doesn't belong to him. Now, I've got a couple videos and a couple stories to tell you, but I want to get to what I was just talking about, God being everywhere. Do you know that there is a theory? That when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain there and was speaking with Elisha and Moses and the disciples were looking at him in awe and truly said, this is the son of God. Do you know that there's a theory that biblical scholars are now talking about, about how on that, in that moment, Moses was actually on Mount Sinai receiving the tablets. Elisha was actually on Mount Carmel. And Jesus was transfigured in front of the disciples to the point where they said, truly, this is the son of God. And they saw Moses and they saw Elisha. Do you know that the theory is that God was visiting them all at the same time at different times and brought them all together, which is why Moses and Elisha both were able to so correctly prophesy the coming of the Son of God because they actually spoke with him throughout different times. And I started to think about that theory. And I started to think about the omnipresence of God the omnipotent um, form of God being in all places all at once. And I always preach about God being in your future. How is that impossible? That's not impossible. That's very possible. It's very possible that when Moses was on Mount Sinai and Elisha was on Mount Carmel and Jesus was in the presence of the disciples 
and walked up on the mountain and all of them were together, it is very possible that God was visiting them all and brought them all together kind of outside of time in a, in a, in a heavenly spiritual portal realm where they all were able to speak to each other. And in Moses' time, it was his day. In Elisha's time, it was his day. And in Jesus' time, it was the disciples' day. Can you imagine that? Think about that for a minute. Go back and read scripture with that in your mind and tell me how that seems far-fetched. It doesn't. It actually is pretty incredible. I have a video here that, uh, that I want you to see. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, this is, this is mind-blowing. Now, I don't know if that is true or not because it's a biblical theory. It's a scholar theory. But boy, it makes sense and it aligns with God's ability to be able to do this, which is why Moses and Elisha were so familiar with the coming of the Son of Man, of the Son of God. That's not far-fetched, folks. I think that happened. Listen to this. Theorized that the transfiguration of Jesus also happened at the top of Mount Hermon. Wow, Interesting. Cool. So, so the theory is on this mountaintop, God's appearance changed. He was communicating with Moses and Elijah. How cool would that be if in that moment they were outside the realm of time? And so when Moses was on top of Mount Sinai and Elijah oh was on top God. of Mount Carmel, God was directly speaking to them in the present. But in Moses' time, it would be that present as well. And in Elijah's time, it would be that present. So wild. And that's why they knew and had full confidence of the coming of the Messiah because oh they, they directly spoke with Jesus on this mountaintop. <laughs> That's such a wild thought to think about. Even the disciples that were witnessing this, they saw like, this is the son of God. This is God. Yes. And he's literally talking to Moses and Elijah right now. Man, that's a weird thing to think about. It makes you wonder if there's something up there because if the watchers descended upon this place, they obviously came from this realm. Is there a, like a weird, Yeah. I'll just call it like a portal? Some biblical scholars. Wow. Just, wow, when you think of that, like, you, I, like I saw the video and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then God just kept hitting me. He's like, go back and watch that video again. I went back and I watched it again. I went back and I watched it again. I watched it probably 12 times. I showed it to my wife. I showed it to my daughter. I was like, this is like gripping me right now. This is, this is, an, this is a revelation for me right now. Now, this all happened before I went to bed last night, so we'll get to that story. If that isn't a mind-blowing theory to ponder, then I don't know what is. I just don't know what is. Like, we all know that the disciples saw Jesus speaking with Moses and Elisha, but we all just assume, I mean, I did anyway, maybe you didn't, I'm sorry for, you know, assuming that you probably assumed that as well. But I just always assumed that God was bringing the spirit of Elisha and the spirit of Moses to speak with Jesus in front of the disciples to show, you know, just for that. That's what I thought went down. But then I think about God's omnipresent, omnipresence, and I think about the spiritual realm, and I think about God living outside of time, and I think about God knowing our future, knowing all of the future decisions that we would make, knowing our past, and I go, I bet that's true. That makes perfect sense to me. Somebody said, Jeremy, can you link that in the comments? I can. I can. I'll do it right now. 
It's going in the live chat first. There it is. And now I will link it in the lower section, in the permanent comment section down below the description of this page. Really, really, really amazing, isn't it? To think about that. Like it blew my mind so much that I couldn't stop thinking about it for hours yesterday. (laughs) I really couldn't. I want to say thank you to everybody just joining in. If you're just joining in, there's 1,600 people. We got to 1,900 people listening to the gospel yesterday. So if we could share this video if you have not yet, or even give it another share if you already have, I'd appreciate that. It's always good to share in your Facebook groups and your Twitter pages. You know the things that are most active. And uh, make sure that you smash that rumble button. We would really appreciate that. So let me get to the scripture of the day. And then I'll get back to another story because I I know that an hour goes by really, really fast. Please open your books up, your Bibles, to Proverbs 3, 32 through 35. Proverbs 3, 32 through 35. And while you're doing that, we'll bring up the rumble chat. Heidi says, I need to watch it over again and take it all in. I'm getting old. Same here. <laughs> Same here. I had to watch it so many times. And then I actually had to go and, you know, look in scripture. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, how you doing, laser jarhead? Dane says, rumble, rumble, rumble. Jeremy, I'm thoroughly confused. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to confuse anyone this morning. I can't. I'm driving. Okay. Definitely don't be looking through scripture while you're driving. We don't want that. Uh, Got my Bible now. I need to watch this with my husband. Always good to watch stuff like this with your spouse. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Sheridan rumbled already. Thank you very much. Prayer warriors rose up. Kara Moore said, sorry, I don't see the link. It's in the lower section. That's where I'm reading it in the mornings right now. Love bug seven. All right, here we go. Proverbs 3, 32 through 35 says this. Actually, let me start with 31. Don't envy a man of violence. Don't choose any of his ways. For the perverse is an abomination to Adonai. God. But he shares his secret counsel with the upright. Adonai's curse is in the house of the wicked. But he blesses the home of the righteous. The scornful he scorns, but gives grace to the humble. The wise win honor, but fools win shame. Now I want to go back to 33 where it says, Adonai's curse, God's curse, is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. That's the main part of that verse that I wanted to focus on today. Now, remember when I told you about praying over your home and praying over your children? We have a mezuzah, which is a Jewish tradition. It's basically like a... a, uh, a little metal representation of the blood over the doorway. 
right? For the angel of death to pass by that house so no demons are allowed in that home. That mezuzah was not only blessed by the Jewish community before we moved into the house that we live in, but I have also prayed holding that, touching that mezuzah as well and prayed blessings over my home many, many times. Now, I should do it every day when I leave my house. I don't do it every day. But ladies and gentlemen, the devil is going to work on people in your home so that he can get them to willingly bring him into your house. That's what the devil is going to do. He knows he's not welcome. He knows that you have a hedge of protection over that home. He also knows, like those old vampire movies, Eli, that he must be invited in. And he knows that even if there is a blessing over that home, if he's invited in by somebody who dwells there, he will work on them and he will get in that way. Your children, maybe friends that are over at your house constantly, people that are in and out of your home for whatever reason, he can get into your home through there, which is why it is so important for you as the head of your household to pray over your home at the end of every day and remove any spirits that happen to get in through the cracks. Now, just because you're a prayer warrior doesn't mean you're Fort Knox. The devil is tricky, sneaky, and a liar. He will worm his way in like rats and snakes and mice do. And you have to pray out of my home. And last night at 1.30 in the morning was one of those times for me. I woke up and I could not shake pain. Like I felt like I was having chest pains. I felt like I was... Anxious. I kept, I kept felt like I was hearing something, you know, like when you hear something that startles you and you get up out of bed and you want to run downstairs and everything is silent. That's how I felt last night at one I couldn't shake it. So I said to myself, I need God right now. That's when I whispered, Jesus, I need you. Then I said, Lord and heavenly father. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ and the Holy spirit, and the Father above, I demand all unwanted demonly spirit, demon spirits remove from my home immediately. Remove from the bedrooms of my children. Remove from looking over my kids as they sleep. Remove from my house. You are not wanted. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. And instantly, ladies and gentlemen, instantly, that feeling of anxiety and, and, and fear, gone. Gone. And then I prayed for my wife and I touched her while she slept and I prayed over her. I then prayed over each and every one of my children separately. I prayed over what I know that they're going through in their lives and I prayed that the devil would leave them be. This was an hour-long conversation that I had with God in the middle of the night last night. But not only that, folks... After, after the anxiety and the fear and the, all of that left me, I then asked God, you know, I just started thinking about the, the, the common things that you think about, you know, death and, and, you know, you're getting older and I started thinking about all of that. 
So I asked God last night, I said, God, can you reveal just a glimpse of heaven to me? I said, God, I know that's a big ask, and I'm not asking to die to see it because <laughs> I do want to spend some time with my family still, even though I know if I was in heaven, I would say, I don't want to go back. But I said, can you please just give me a glimpse of heaven? Just a glimpse. Let me understand more fully what it's going to be like. And I know that's a big ask. And I know God does not have to reveal that. But I felt like I was having one of those Moses moments where Moses asked God what his name was and God revealed it. And when I asked God to reveal heaven to me at 2.15 at that point in the morning, Do you know that feeling of utter joy that you get for no reason, like when, you're, like when something amazing happens or some revelation happens? Well, I started getting that tingly feeling down in my legs, like down in my calves. That tingly feeling of like, just like whatever I'm feeling right now, I don't want it to end. That feeling. Whatever this feeling is that I'm feeling, this butterfly feeling, this tingling feeling, I felt it in my legs, and then it worked up to my hips, and then it worked up to my stomach, and then I felt it in my chest. And it just instantly made me smile. Like I was just like this at 2 in the morning, 2.15 in the morning, I was sitting up in my bed, and I was looking up, and I was just like this. Pitch black, my wife's sleeping, snoring. Hopefully having a good dream. And I felt a glimpse of heaven at 2.30 in the morning. before, And then I slept like a baby from 2.30 until 6. Slept like a baby. Deepest sleep that I've slept in a long time. Woke up, jumped out of bed, prayed, and got ready to go. But asking for a glimpse of heaven is a very, um, it's a big ask. It's a big ask. And I felt in my body, I didn't see anything, although I was imagining things, right? I didn't see anything, but I felt like I, whatever that feeling was that was all over me, I didn't want it to end, no matter what. It was a greater feeling than having a baby. So you know when you have a baby and you're just, you're, you change immediately? You go from one person to another person. You go from a person who lives life for themselves to a person who now lives your life for that child. And you have this unexplainable feeling of joy. It was better than that. Yes, Scotty, I did. Thank you so much. I did. I did. Thank you. That's sad you said your wife was snoring. Don't say that, LOL. She's a light snorer. I'm a, she's, I'm a, so probably a good thing I was up. But man, did I tell you, I, I got to tell you, there, it, it, was a, it was a better feeling than having all of my kids put together. And that's a great feeling. You know what I mean? So now I showed my daughter this yesterday and I said, this is why. Prayer is so powerful. 
I said, I pray for you kids on your, uh, when you head to school because I know that crazy things can happen when you're out of my purview. And I saw this video two days ago and I saved it and I showed my daughter yesterday. How effective is your prayers over your kids and your grandkids? Well, here's a visual representation of that. Here we go. What was that? What just happened? I don't know. I showed that to my daughter yesterday. Both of those kids were saved from that demon because that demon tried to touch the kid that was prayed over before he left his house that day but over from his parents. You know when God says, Pray to me, believe in me, and you and your whole household will be saved. Same thing here. That's the same exact thing here. That kid that the devil that the demon was preying on, the, the, the smaller kid, that kid clearly didn't have anybody to pray over him. But that taller kid clearly had his mom and dad praying for him. And look what happened. People are asking for that link now. Yes. I will put it in the lower um, the lower section. Hold on one second here. I got to get there. Okay, put it in the comment section. Boom. I put it in the lower section, not the live chat for all of you who are watching. 1,716 people watching, 45 minutes past the hour. Thank you guys very much for being here. I hope you're getting some good advice today about how strong and powerful prayer is. Do me the favor of sharing and rumbling. Shares and prayers, folks, right? Shares and prayers. And now I've got another video here to show you by Frank Turek. Gotta love Frank. Talking about Moral versus natural evil. And I like to do, uh, I like to break it up with Frank Turek and, and Ray Comfort every now and then. We'll play this. We'll come back for uh, some reading. And then I got to tell you uh, another story real quick. So go ahead and roll this one. And they hit me with this concept of like um, being just and unjust, which is like was mentioned there before. Mm-hmm. But um, they went beyond the personal like level. And what I mean by that is like, um, this lady right here like if I looked at her and I like punched her or slapped her right like that would not be very just Mm -hmm. but um, if something exists in like the world between materials and us so like say if I'm walking down and like a boulder you know hits me and and I die obviously that's not just but the suffering that that brings is not caused from anything because um, 
I, I guess you could say like that that unjust or justness does not exist in the world of like materials, right? Like that rock or boulder didn't choose to hit me because like oh I don't like him, you know. I'm just so you're you're talking about the distinction between moral evil and natural evil. Yeah. That yeah, so, if someone does something immoral to someone else, that's one way evil is perpetrated, or at least suffering is perpetrated. Yeah. And if a natural disaster occurs, a boulder falls on your head, that's another way. Yeah. Okay, so what's the question in there? Why is that, like, uh, allowed to happen if we do have, like, a just God? Because I guess, um, like, it's like the same standard of justness, right? Or justness. I don't know if that's... Well, Christians word. believe that the world is broken because we broke it. Yes. And we think that the reason that even natural disasters occur is because the world has fallen due to our own sin. Okay. So um, we're the ones that broke it, and Jesus actually fixed it. So we still live in a broken world, and evil and suffering still occurs even to Christians. In fact, it's promised to Christians. Uh, Jesus famously said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And Paul said, anyone who lives a faithful life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And we're going to experience natural disasters just like everybody else. And we all know it shouldn't be that way, right? In fact, I don't care what worldview somebody has. You can ask anybody of any worldview this question, what's wrong with the world? No one is going to say, nothing, everything's fine. Everyone knows there's something wrong with the world. If there's something wrong with the world, there must be a standard that we're judging that to be wrong. That standard is God's nature. So why does God allow certain things, evil things to happen? Well, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. And even if we can't figure out an answer, that doesn't mean God doesn't have an answer, right? God may allow certain evil things to happen because it's going to bring forth good later. Or it might be that someone deserved something and God allowed that to happen. So we just don't know. Uh, but we all agree something's wrong with the world. And if there's something wrong with the world, we're assuming a standard. That standard can only exist if God exists. Otherwise, it's just my opinion against your opinion. Yeah. All right. So when people claim, well, this happened and it's unjust, they're already assuming a world with God in it. Because when, once, as soon as they start talking about justice and unjustice, they're assuming God. That's why the book I mentioned earlier, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case, is pointing out that whenever atheists complain about justice in the world, for example, they're, already, they're stealing a standard from God in order to do so. Big shout out to Frank Turek. Uh, keep praying that Frank or uh, Ray will be able to accept our invite uh, for the 300th episode coming up here very shortly on LFA TV here on Rumble. Um, I really, really like these people, like, like him and Ray's and, 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 and Ken Hams and, and Cliff Netchel. I like their teachings because their teachings are relative to things that we see and relative to things that we are experiencing and then they connect it with old, you know, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and Jesus' teachings in a way that helps me really, 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 really understand. That helps me comprehend not the way they're telling me to comprehend it, but they open the door for me to comprehend the way God wants me to hear it. That's what I love about these gentlemen. I don't look to them as, um, oh, they said it, so it must be real. No, these gentlemen that I show on this show, 
helped me come to Christ because they open up doors of comprehension. And then I go and validate or build upon what they said to me. That is why this is my personal journey with Jesus. Prayer. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, good, bad, ugly. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It's telling you to use your power of prayer and be so consistent in it. And it will help all believers everywhere. It's almost like we're connected by a web of spiritual prayer. Ephesians 6, 18. So right after the armor of God, which is 6, 10 through 18, really. Last night we had a little Bible study, and I'll tell you how that went. But 1 Timothy 2, 8 says, I want everyone everywhere to lift innocent hands toward heaven and pray without being angry or without arguing with each other. So a lot of people say, Jeremy, why are there some people that used to be in the chat that are no longer in the chat because of arguing, because of division? We cannot let decisions lead to divisions. God does not want division no matter what. So whether I'm right or you're right, if we continue to have division, it's not good. We can't be angry and we can't argue with each other as children of God. We just can't. We can debate, but we can't be angry and argue. It does nothing for the flock. And I consider me the flock. It does nothing for us to be divided. It's that simple. Answers a lot of people's questions. Nothing draws us closer to other people than praying for them. Asking for God's intervention in their lives is an awesome privilege. We experience matchless rejoicing when our prayers are answered. Let's not promise to pray for somebody. Let's be faithful and do it. How many times, and and you can be honest here, how many times have you said, I'll pray for you? Or somebody said, please pray for me, and you go, I will, but then you forget. Yes, Grammy love, I did feel Satan and every evil demon leave my presence after praying last night, 100%. So, how many of us forget? And I know we do, I do, I forget sometimes. Somebody says, will you pray for me and my family? Yes, I will. And then I don't. So just stop and pray right there. When somebody says, can you please pray for me? Stop what you're doing because nothing in this world is more important than that right then and there. Nothing. And nothing is more powerful than that right then and there. That person is asking for something from you that God can give to them. That's huge. You pray in that moment. And you get God on the phone for them. Because if you don't, you are losing an opportunity to bring a soul to heaven or to help somebody up off the ground that spiritually has fallen. Bumblebee says, Jeremy, do you know much about the book of Enoch and other books that are not in today's Bible? I'm glad you asked that question. 
Yes, I do. The book of Enoch was not written by Enoch. Not that that really matters. But the book of Enoch was not written by Enoch. It was written about the accounts of Enoch's life way after Enoch died, number one. And number two, the, the book of Enoch does nothing for your spiritual growth. It's merely a history book, which is fine and great. And it does need to be read. He was a man walking with God who was taken up by God and did not die. However, the book of Enoch does nothing for your spiritual growth is the explanation that I have gotten from many, many people that I respect. It does nothing for your actual spiritual growth. It's a great history book. It accounts the, uh, the, the life of Enoch. It talks about things that, that, you, that are very interesting. But because it was A, not written by him, and B, because it actually does nothing for your spiritual growth, but just does something for your knowledge, then it was left out of the books of the Bible. It is a great book, and it's interesting. But if you, but if you want an answer to that question, that is the answer that I have for you. And I'm not saying it does nothing for you. I think it's a great book. I think everybody should should read the book of Enoch. I'm just saying that the answer to that is that it's not a a spiritual growth book for you. Like it's not going to bring you to God. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have prophecy in it. There's no prophecy in it whatsoever. There's no prophesying the coming of Jesus. There's no prophesying how to be reconnected with the Lord. So, you know, that's that's, I guess that's the best answer, right? Now, real quick, I told you that I was, as the head of my household, I was going to get my children all back together again, and we were all going to come back to the Lord. Because if it's one thing that we're missing when we're going through trials and tribulations in our family, it is God. And I noticed that we have not gone to church all together, all seven of us, in months. It's been five here, four there, kids are playing soccer, people are doing this, no, 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 no. This Sunday, we're all going back to church together as a seven full family. The number seven, right? What a godly number. And then I said, nobody's leaving this kitchen until we can memorize and know, not just memorize, but know this verse. And we actually memorized two verses last night together as a family. And it took the kids a little, come on, I'm going to do this. I said, get that face off your face right now. That's blasphemy. Don't speak of the Lord's verses. Do not speak of the Lord's words and be like, oh, and be lazy about it and be sluggardly about it. No, 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 no. You're going to speak with the Lord, about the Lord with vigor and positivity. I said, now wipe that face off your face and start talking about God. And by the end of it, folks, I felt so close as a family. Man, did I feel so close as a family. And that's what it takes. It takes the head of your household, whether it's your mom or your dad, to bring everybody together in the name of God. So ladies and gentlemen, when you fight, Continue to fight on your knees. Prayer is the most powerful thing in the world, and you possess that power. Ask yourself, what am I doing with this power today? Am I doing what God wants me to do with it, or am I doing it, or am I wasting it? It's a good question. God bless each and every one of you. Continue to share and like this video. Share it with your friends. The battle belongs to God. I love you guys. Coming up next, Mike Crispy. Back in the studio. Debating Kevin Smith, and then followed by two hours alive from America. Thank you, guys. Have a great morning. Rise up. And drink some of that Rise Up coffee, too. I love you. See you later.